Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, first and foremost, that we're in your house. And Father God, in your house, that your word says there's freedom, there's joy, there's everything that we need. So Father, no matter where we're lacking, no matter where we're deficient, that today in your house, there's everything that we need by faith. And so, Lord, I just ask you right now that my words not be my words. They be your words. That your spirit would move on the hearts of those here today, drawing them closer to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, my wife sends her love. She is not here. She's actually preaching for me. And she is pregnant with twins and going through morning sickness while she preaches. That's a trooper right there. She texted me and said, pray for me. And so we just found out we're having twins, and we're, uh, we're doubly blessed. Amen. Any parents of twins in here? Wow. I'm going to give you my email, and you send me whatever hope and help you think. Because we've got three boys, and now we're having two twins, and we're hoping they're girls. If they're boys, it's going to yeah, it's gonna be nuts. So y'all keep us lifted up. If you have your Bibles, open to Ephesians chapter 4. The Lord's really placed up something on my heart this morning to share with you. And I'll just tell you, however you respond is up to you. You know, you can say amen, preach it white boy, whatever you want to say, uh, or you can just listen. Either way, the word is true and it works. And I'll tell you this, I've preached to people who look like they didn't want to hear it, but it still went in their ears and it still had the ability to produce faith and it was a seed planted. And so if you'll listen to the word of God, not just the messenger, but the actual message, it has something that is life-giving. You know, the Bible says the entrance of his word brings light. Amen. So that means there are dark areas in our life that light must be shined upon. So I believe today you're going to get some light in your life. Amen. The title of my message this morning, if you like titles, is much potential. How many know you all have much potential? Now, a lot of people, they hear that and they think, oh, that's great. I can do greatness. But much potential starts in small doses. And so everybody has different gifts and abilities in their life. I can't expect, you know, one of you to do the same things that I do because you may not have been gifted like me. Or I may not have been gifted like you. Like my wife, she's a phenomenal singer, but I'm not going to get up and try to do what she does. I would actually lose members of my church than gain members of my church. So there's things that she's gifted in, but you know, she has to use those gifts to the best of her ability. So in all of our lives, there's one thing that we all have in common. Now, we may not share the same abilities and the same gifts, but we are actually required to steward our lives in a way that's appropriated to those abilities we've been given. And so you may do things different than me, but we're both required to steward what we've been given in the same way. You understand that? I have three sons, and they're awesome boys, eight, six, and yesterday turned three. I didn't know your daughter was same same birthday. Happy birthday to your daughter. Uh, eight, six, and three. And so each one of them is completely different. I mean, just to be honest, they are night and day different. But I'm still required to steward them all the same. You understand that? they're still required to steward their lives the same, even though one may play piano, one may play drums, one may sing, one may not, one may cut jokes, one may, may you know, cut people down. You, we never know. There's sarcasm, there's blood, there's, there's lightsabers, there's lots of things in my house all at once. 
but they're all we required to steward that same gift. In Ephesians chapter 4, if you're there, in verse 16, the New Living Translation says this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. How many know God can put the body together perfect? That's why, let me just say this today, and I'm not teaching on healing, but if there's things out of line in your body, God made your body. He didn't make it out of line. So if there's things out of line, you can literally say, Father God, you made this body. You can fix this body, right? I have a Ford truck. I don't take it to Kia to get it worked on. Nothing wrong with Kia, but Ford made it. Ford's going to fix it, right? Well, if God made your body, I thank God for doctors and and all the things that we have, but also take it back to to Father God and say, now you made this thing. Now I need some help with this thing. I need my body to line up with the way you made it. And the word of God says I'm healed. Amen. And so it says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It goes on to say, as each part does its own special work, each part has their own special work that they're to do. And then it says this, it helps the other parts grow. So when you do your part, it helps the other parts. How many of you know when my, my uh, heart functions the way it's supposed to, it helps my brain, it helps uh, my arms, it helps my eyes, it helps everything. Because when the heart shuts down, the brain's going to shut down, right? When my brain functions properly, man, I can move, right? But you have brain damage or get hurt, and you, you, you go through, th- I can't lift my arm, I can't speak. I had an uncle that got in a massive car accident, and they had to teach him how to talk again. Had to teach him how to swallow. How do you teach somebody to swallow? Like, I've, I tried to explain that to my wife when I found out. I said, let me try to walk you through swallowing. I don't know how to do it. Everybody swallow real quick. See, you don't even know the steps in doing that. You just do it, right? And so he says each part, part of the body actually helps the other part when they're doing what he calls their own special work. Work, that means you're doing something, right? goes on to say this, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, God's got a special ability he's given each one of his kids, and it's designed for his body. I mean, you look out in the world, and you see some of these amazing singers, and I, I hear them, and I go, man, what the church would be like with your voice. With the anointing on that and understanding of the gospel, you take that gift and talent into the church, my God, we would just, we would blow the, the, the roof off our cities if we had some of the world's talent in our church. Do you know it's not the world's talent? That's God's talent, not being used the right way. And so what's happening is we have people who should be perfectly put together in the body. They've detached themselves and they've gone out and started other bodies. And now that body is trying to attack this body. And the church is now uh, viewed as a weak body. And the world is viewed as a loud, strong voice that can do whatever it wants to do. And we want to be just like that and do that. But the Bible says he made the whole body and he fits it together perfectly. So every one of you in here today, you actually have a supply that is needed to grow the kingdom. Now, most people don't know that or most people don't care to know that because it's a lot easier just to show up and look at a body than to be a body. Right. It's a lot easier to watch people unload, uh, you know, a trailer and move into a house. Uh, maybe your neighbor just moved in. You go, oh, man, they're moving in. That stinks. But for you to actually go out there and start picking up a dresser. Now you've been working and now you're a part of that. Right. 
we started a church, and uh, man, we moved four different locations since we've we've had our church. And each location, we've lost people and picked up people. And we started in our apartment complex, moved to a pizza place, went out of a pizza place of all places, a pizza place, went to a hotel, and then we moved where we are today. And each step, people got to grow with us in those steps. Some people were spectators. Some people were participators. But I've noticed the ones that participate, they find their place in the body. And when they find their place, they find a purpose. And that purpose gives them a reason to keep going on in life. But most people, they don't know their purpose. They don't know their place. They don't know if they're an arm, a toe, a foot, a neck. They don't know what they are. And so they just look at a body, but they are disassembled or you could say uh, unattached to a body. And so they're simply looking at an anatomy instead of being an anatomy, right? And God didn't call you to look at the body. He called you to be the body. Amen. And so not only are we to help grow his kingdom, also we're here to help grow his church. And it says, it says each, he makes the whole body fit together. One translation says that we all have a supply. If you have a supply, that means something's to come out of you. You're to give of that supply. Amen. Turn to Matthew 25, last passage of scripture. I'm going to stay in this passage of scripture for the rest of the service. But in Matthew 25, we hear the, the parable of the talents. You've all heard that before, right? Uh, no, none of you heard that? That's okay. I'll take that one, yes. The parable of the talents in Matthew 25 is one of the most commonly used uh, scriptures. No matter what denomination you came out of, uh, you, you've heard it. If you were Baptist, you heard it. If you were charismatic, you heard it. If you were Catholic, you heard it. Uh, if you were atheist, you probably didn't hear it. But if you've been in, in the church, you've heard it some way or another, right? So the New Living Translation says this in verse 14. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. And verse 15 says, He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. What most people skip over is that one phrase, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. See, a lot of people count themselves out, but God's really willing to work with you right where you are with the abilities that you produce. People say, well, I'm not Pastor Kevin. I can't preach or teach. He's not asking you to preach or teach. You may not be that part of the body, but there is an ability that you do have that can be used beyond just your nine to five job, beyond just your sphere of influence in your home. God can place you in a certain region or an area with a supply for a reason. You ever heard somebody say, you know, you're here for such a time as this. You ever heard somebody say that to you, right? It's usually, and go stack them chairs, you know. That's usually what that time is. You're here for such a time of stacking chairs, right? Uh, But that's fine. Serve, however you need to serve. But I believe it goes even beyond just the serving in the church. But let me tell you something. That's elementary. Most people don't even get in there. Serving in the church is is Greek to them. They don't understand that. They think, I go to a church. No. Let Let me tell you what I told my church when we started our church. I said, welcome to your church not my church because this ain't my church this is God's church this is your church and should you choose to join this church together we're going to change this city you're not looking at me to do it because I can't just me and my wife and my kids we're not we're not going to change this city 
But with you, man, we're going to change the whole area. We're going to send the enemy packing. But if I'm out here, you know, running and hoping someone's following and they're not, it's just me and however much influence I have. I'm not on the, the, in the oil field. I'm not at the banks. I'm not, you know, at, uh, at the cash registers. I'm not there, but, but, but you are. And so I'd meet with my people and I'd say, what do you have, man? Where are you at? What can you do? Oh, well, pastor, you know, I can't do anything. No, that's wrong. You can. There's something great on the inside of you. And not only great, in John 14, Jesus said, now you see me do some pretty cool stuff, but greater works are you going to do. Greater. He even said the supply you've seen me, I'm just one. But when I anoint you and empower you, what you're going to do is going to be greater because the body's going to be mobile now. The body is going to be large now. It's not just going to be this one body, me walking town to town. We're going to build a global body, and this body is going to be massive. Amen. And so the first thing that you must see here is that God expects and he requires stewardship from each individual according to their abilities. So you have an ability, and he says he divided it in proportion to their abilities. See, not everyone has the same abilities. Not all of us do the same things, but stewardship is common with all of us. We're all required to steward. Verse 16 says this, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. That's pretty cool. Man, if I, if I owned a business, I'd want that guy working for me, right? I mean, that's nice. I gave you something. You gave me double back. So then it goes, the servant with two bags of silver went and worked and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give account of how they had used his money. Let this be known. You will be required to give an account of what's been given to you. Promise you. There's no changing it. There's no opting out of this. It's going to happen. You're going to have to give an account according to your abilities and what has been given to you, right? Then it goes on to say this. Verse 20, the servant whom he had entrusted with five uh, bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. Notice he knew what it was for. You gave it to me to invest. He said, and so I did. And the master said, you gave me five and I have earned you five more. Verse 21, the master was full of praise and he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount now he had more than the guy with two and the guy with one you would think that he would think small you gave me the the biggest the most amount but it was according to their abilities god started each one of them off with a small amount isn't that amazing we all look at the guy with five and go that's not fair because you know he got five i mean of course you had a little extra to go out there and do what you wanted to do they were all according to their ability. To each ability, it was small. Do you know, let's just talk financially speaking, because this is what this is talking about. If I was to tithe, you know, or, or give maybe $1,000 in an offering, if I'm a billionaire, then you're like, what's $1,000, you know, right? But to someone who's a hundredaire, $1,000 may be a lot of money, Right? So you can't just look at what they did. It's according to their ability and what they had, right? And so it says this in the King James translation. The New Living, which we were reading, says, faithful in handling this small amount. He said, now I'll give you many more responsibilities. 
King James says, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Now that's amazing that just being faithful with where you were, God said, I'm taking you somewhere else. The Amplified says, you've been faithful and trustworthy over a little. Now I'll put you in charge of much. Today we're talking about much potential. Every one of you have much potential. It just starts with little. You could do great things if you start right where you are. Another translation says this. You prove that you could be trusted with a small amount. Now I'll put you in charge of a large amount. Last translation I want to read to you says this. You've been faithful over a few things and now I'll put many things in your care. Before I read the rest of these scriptures, I remember when we started our church, I had no clue who was going to show up. There was no like massive campaign. There was no massive launch team. It was me, my wife, my kids, faith and vision. That's it. That was it. We knocked on doors. We had strollers and we said hello. And in Lafayette, and I'm sure it's kind of the same way in Lake Charles, if you're not Catholic, we ain't coming to your church. And so I'd say, I'm pastor, and they, they were looking for father. So after a while, I wanted to start saying, I'm Father Caleb. I'd like for you to come to Mass tomorrow. It's going to be great. I just wanted people to show up. But, man, doors slammed in our face. It's raining, man. My kids are getting wet. I'm wet. My wife's wet. We're walking. There was no, no mail-outs. There was nothing. It was me. I didn't even have a flyer. I just said, hey, would you like to come to church this Friday night at 7? It's going to be the best thing you've ever done. I didn't know if it was going to be good or not. I didn't have a band. I didn't have a band. I borrowed chairs from the church that I came out of. We drove an hour and 15 minutes every Friday night, picked up chairs, set them up, and had to drive them back the same night to drop them back off so they'd have them. I mean, you talk about, it, it, was, it was old school. I mean, it was, we did this thing. I couldn't even pass out. There was no words. I mean, look at you guys. You guys got words. You got lights. You got all kinds of stuff. Man, we were, we, we were just hoping. I remember looking at the door, and I'd be praying. All right, the service is going to start in five minutes. And there's my wife. And here's me. I hope someone walks in. Well, we had four people come in from Lafayette, our first service. We had a bunch of friends from, from you know, the church we came out of. But after all those friends left, I had four people. And I remember on my knees praying. I didn't see four people. I saw thousands. But I told the Lord, I said, you gave me four. These will be the fluffiest four sheep you have ever seen. I'm going to hang out with these sheep. I'm going to pet them. I'm going to brush their, their wool. I'm going to love on them. We're going to go on walks together. We're gonna, these will be the best four sheep you've ever seen. And when you see what I can do with four, you're going to give me eight. Come on. And then I said, man, these will be the fluffiest eight sheep. And then when you see what I've done with eight, you're going to give me 16. Then you're going to give me 32. And then, you know, math escaped me years ago. So just get your iPhone out and add that up. It just kept doubling and doubling and doubling. And now, you know, we're not a mega church. We're still growing and growing. But we're averaging about 250 people a Sunday. And we started with nothing but faith. But do you know what? He gave me what I could handle at that time. Now, if I would have just said four people, what kind of church are we going to build with four people? Look, man, you can change a city with one person. You know, you look at the book of Acts, when they all got filled with the Holy Ghost, only one of the 120 stood up and preached, and 3,000 got saved. You just get one spirit-filled person who's bold enough to, to speak out, you can affect the whole area. Amen. And so he said, 
you're faithful over a few things. I'm going to put many things in your care. And you continue reading in verse 22 of the New Living Translation. The servant who received the two bags came to him and did the same thing. And he said, I'm excited. Let's go celebrate. Verse 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver. Now, you know, he's probably going, oh, these guys invested theirs. We were supposed to invest this? Both of them said, what you gave me, I invested it. Listen to what happens at this one, verse 24. He said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate, and I was afraid I would lose your money. Anytime fear is a part of your excuse, you know it's not God. God is not the author of fear. Matter of fact, the Bible says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You read 2 Corinthians 4.13, he talks about a spirit of faith that he actually releases to his children. And so he said, I knew you were a harsh man. I was afraid of this. I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. See, God's gifts were never meant for earthly use. Come on, it may happen in the earth, but it was for kingdom use. But he got it confused. So I dug a hole and I hid it in the earth. He said, look, here's your money back. Basically, the same way you gave it to me, the same way I'm going to give it back to you. Now, none of those other guys did that. They said, what I'm giving you back is different than the way you gave it to me. I cultivated this. I used this. I worked this, right? You may have given me an ability to, to be nice to people, but I turned that into I became a greeter at my church. And I began to, I had a lady walk in my church one Sunday. I had never met her before. I saw her as I was preaching. She left before it was over. I get in my car and uh, I asked my wife, I said, hey, see if I have any text messages. And she said, uh, and you don't. And I said, well, check my Facebook. And she said, you've got a message from this lady. And we began to read it. And I said, let me see her face. And she showed me, I said, she was a visitor today. I saw her. And she began to read. And the lady wrote a letter after service. She said, I came to your church as a last effort that if nothing was going to change, I had a suicide letter written laying on my bed. I dropped my three children off at my mom's house to tell her I was coming to check out a church. I was going to leave church today and kill myself and leave my husband and my three kids behind. She said, I walked through your doors and the greeter didn't just smile the greeter hugged me and said, you are in a safe place. Now, what is that? I mean, that's just using the gift. The wall came down. Man, I preached the message. I, was, I showed up that Sunday morning ready to teach, and the Holy Spirit changed my whole message. And I said, all right, God, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll do this. Changed the whole message, and it hit her right where it needed to hit her. And the walls came down. The enemy left. Amen. She's still a mother. Still got her kids. Still have a, a mom. Her husband still has a wife. God's restoring her life. God's working in her family. Why? Because there was more than just me up there preaching. Somebody at my front door at my church hugged her. Made, see, people say, well, I'm just a greeter. I had a guy tell me, oh, I'm just a parking attendant. Well, look, we need them all, man. We need you all. I don't care if you're just the guy that puts sugar out for the coffee. Somebody that's having a bad day, at least they're at your church drinking coffee and not in some nightclub or some bar hung over, put that sugar out and pray over it, man. That's going to help somebody. It's going to wake them up saying it the word. You are giving people what's needed to wake them up, right? You've got, if you start where you are, 
God can use you right there, multiply that gift, and do something greater than you think you can just do by yourself. Amen. And so he began to say, God, you know, I thought you were going to do this. I thought you were going to do that. I was afraid. And the master replied, and he said this, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops and, uh, uh, and planted and gathered things I didn't cultivate, then why didn't you deposit my money into the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take away from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. And it wasn't because the one with the ten was his favorite. He just had a greater ability than the one that had one and the one that had two. He knew he'd do something great with it. So God is not looking for you to return whatever he gave you back to him in the same condition. You understand? If, if God gave me a child, which he has, I'm not going to say, well, I was so scared to mess it up because the world's crazy. We never taught it to walk. We never taught it. You know, I didn't want it to walk out of the house and into this wicked world. And who knows what could happen? Never taught it to talk. Didn't teach it to, to understand things. We just left it a baby. You know, here it is. He would go, what are you doing? I brought that baby in the world could have a call on its life. Raised it up. The Bible says children like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. What does that mean? You launch them, man, at a direction. Train up a child the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart. Amen. And so you're not to give God back whatever he gave you in the same condition that it was when he gave it to you. You're to give it back to him in an increased and a multiplied form. Amen. In an increased measure. Father God, you gave me this, but man, I cultivated it. I remember the day that the Lord told me I was called to preach. And I was just naive thinking that somebody's going to tell me when that time is. And they're going to teach me how to do it. And they're going to give me a, an opportunity, you know, give me a title or give me a stage or a service. Say, okay, you're called to preach. I saw it on you. Now come over here. Here's your notes. Boom. And I remember after many years of that not happening, I realized I got to sit down and read the word of God. I got to get a message. I got to show God I'm faithful with the little knowledge he's given me. He showed me I was called to preach. But have I done anything that was worthy of preaching? Right? The day he told me I was called to be a pastor, I was not a pastor. And so I began to understand this law. And I said, then what I'll do today is I will act like a pastor acts. I will talk like a pastor talks. I will give towards my pastor's vision like I'd want someone to give towards my vision. I will serve in my church like I would want someone to serve in my church, right? I will not hang out with people pastors don't hang out with. I won't laugh at things pastors shouldn't laugh at, right? I'm not going to waste my time with people that pastors wouldn't waste their time with. Why? Because I've got to get my life in a, a season of little into much, right? The problem is, is we stay in little and we complain about it. I don't have enough. But what you don't recognize is little is an opportunity for much. When God gives you little, he really desires to give you much. He's just looking at your faithfulness with that little amount to say, okay, that's it. All right, now here's the much. I gave you this. I saw you were faithful, and now I'm going to give you more. That's God's way of doing things in our lives. And so what the man with the one talent failed to realize was that his potential was not necessarily uh, a, a large, a little potential. It was a much potential. Much potential uh, rests and resides on the inside of every one of us. But it starts in the little. It starts in the small. 
when God gives you something small, I'm so thankful that he, you know, didn't give us, you know, triplets when we had our first child. I got to figure this thing out, man. I mean, send this thing back. It's not working right. It cries all the time. It never sleeps. You know, it won't keep its food down. I mean, this is not what I see on TV. This is not right. Let's call the hospital. Maybe they gave us the wrong baby. We had to figure this thing out. We had to be faithful with this one child, right? And then once we got that down, or we thought we had it down, we had another one. And then the other one, you know, and then we're going, oh, man, new stages, new ages, new steps. Then we had another one. And now God's blessed us with twins. And I'm telling you, listen, if you're faithful with where you are. I remember praying one time and I said, God, I want this for my church. I want this for my church. I want this for my church. We want to get out of here and get into here. And he said, until you maximize what I've already given you, you won't get where you want to go. I thought, well, God, this is your house. He said, yeah, but if you get where you want to go premature, you may not last because there's things that are needed that you have to learn in the little that will establish you for the much. You understand that? They'll establish. There was a, a video game I used to play years ago. Anybody used to play video games? I know I look like I still play them, but it was years ago called Zelda. Anybody? Zelda? Zelda guys? All right. We got some crowd participation talking about video games. <laughs> well, this is what happened in Zelda. Long story short, you can skip levels if you want to. You'll meet a guy, and he'll say, would you like to skip from level one to level three? And it's like, oh, man, save time. Ex- yeah, it's exactly what I want to do. I want to skip the level. But you get in level three, and you get up to a door, and they need this key or this hammer or whatever it may be, and you go, well, I don't have that. You're searching your toolbox. You don't have that. Oh, what happened? It was back in level one, but you skipped all the steps thinking you'd get there faster, but you didn't have the necessary things needed. So then you had to go all the way back down to level one, Go find that key. Go find that hammer. It took you twice as long as it would have because you didn't go through the steps of little. And the steps of little are not bad. It's a God setup. It's God saying these steps of little are because my vision is much. If you'll just take the little steps, I'll bring you into the much territory that I've required you to be in. Amen. That I've destined for you to be in. So if we would see little, the little opportunities as much opportunities we'd be a lot more faithful in those times. Because sometimes the little seasons last a little too long. But the little is necessary. And it's not a bad thing. The little is never a bad thing. It's God setting you up for much from the very beginning. When God sent me four, I said, you must see eight. Because you wouldn't have given me this four if you didn't see eight. So I'm so thankful for these four. This is going to be the best forever. We're going to do some amazing things with these four. It's going to be fantastic. I'll have the biggest church of four you've ever seen in your life. And I can't wait. Why? Because God always wanted more. So he gave me what I could handle. I remember when, we, when I, I, I launched our church and I told the church, I said, we see 50. I'd have people come up and pat me on the back and go, bless your heart, man. That's all, that's all you see? No, I see thousands. I'm trying to get you to see 50, right? Because if you can't help me get 50, you definitely will help me get 10,000. And so corporately, as the body, we're going to see 50. And when we see it, we're going to celebrate that what we saw actually manifested. Then we're going to see 100. And then we saw 100, you know, for a year and a half. And, and then you're still looking at, at 80 people. Or that dwindles down to 40. And you're going, oh, what happened? Did I say something wrong? Or did, did they find a better church? And then you get to 100. And, oh, yeah. And then it drops back down to 60. And, and, then, and it's like, I mean, it's like this, you know. But I just kept doing what God told me to do. People kept serving. 
And I noticed the people who served in the little also served in the much. Why? Because you don't jump ship just when you get what you want. You continue and God will keep giving you more and more. He's a God of more than enough. Amen. And so let me ask you this. Let's just, let's just say right now, let's say at this moment, everyone in this theater dies. Or let's just say rapture happens. We're done. So we switch gears pretty quick here. And right now, right this moment, you're standing before God. You know you're going to have to give an account and an inventory of everything he gave you. Everything, even your time. You understand that? He's going to say, I gave you 24 hours of each day, and what did you do with it? You played video games half the day. You know, you played golf. You, you were always doing this. You were always, you were on the phone arguing. You, you spent, you know, so many hours on Facebook a week, and, and this, and, and you're going, yeah, yeah, but, but God, and he's going, no, 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 there's no, there's no, no excuse now. It's over. Now you're going to, there's no intentions. There's no making this up to me. It is reckoning day. It's done. I gave you, you know, 900,000 hours of your life, and you spent 42 of them for me. What are you going to say when that day comes? What about even down to the smallest things? What about your words? Think about your words. How many, I guarantee you he knows how many words you've spoken. He knows the hairs on your head or the hairs that used to be on your head, right? Think about what if you get there and God says, you spoke 12 trillion words and 11 trillion of them were death and like 4,000 of them were for me. And, and out of those 4,000, you're begging me for something because you got in trouble. I don't just wake up and go, you know, I'm going to say as many words as I can, as fast as I can. No, I wake up and I say, Father God, thank you for today. May I choose my words wisely. Why? Well, there's so many reasons why we don't just say things. I mean, James chapter 1 verse 19 actually tells us to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Why? Well, people who are fast to speak stick their foot in their mouth real quick. Mark 11:23, Jesus told us we have what we say. We have what we say. Proverbs uh, chapter 18 and verse 21 tells us that we will eat the fruit of our lips. Jesus was a man of few words. The words that he did speak were loaded with potential. Jesus didn't just small talk. He wasn't like venting on Twitter, you know, like, man, these Sadducees and Pharisees, uh, you know. No, he didn't do any of that. He wasn't just telling you how his day was. How's your day? Oh, yeah. You ever ask someone how they're doing? I'm doing. Man, just save that. Just save those words. Don't even say them. Just save them. Because you have to give account for them. But let me ask you this. The talents that are on the inside of you. I, like in my church, I have two men. Amazing guys. Full of potential. One guy is a literal musical prodigy. Musical prodigy prodigy has been classically trained has been uh traveled and played in in orchestras and all this stuff this guy is phenomenal he's also one of the uh, most amazing sound engineers in our area you know he don't play any instrument in my church or run sound shows up every week much potential kingdom doesn't get it i got another guy Amazing sound man, amazing bass player, never 
strummed a note on a bass in our church. I don't get it. I've had people come up to me and say, uh, you know, so-and-so sings. And I go, hey, I didn't know you sing. Well, you didn't ask me if I sung. Like they want me to come and ask for it. Well, that's like me walking around going, do you sing? Do you sing? Do you? You do? Okay, get over here. Get on stage. Do you sing? No, no. Do you sing? No, no. Get on stage. No, listen, if you got a gift, I didn't give it to you. Why do I got to ask you for it? Why do I have to pull that out of you? If you've got it, you're required to steward it. You understand that? And I remember things the Lord told me. He said, I gave you this and you've never used this for me. And I said, well, Father God, how can I use it for you? And he said, seek me and I'll, I'll show you. And I begin to pray, Father, how can I use this talent, this gift? How can I do this for the kingdom? And he showed me. And man, I started donating all my time to churches. I, I can't tell you how many churches I built websites for, for free, saved. I had one church. I saved them $80,000 in marketing and, and uh, you know, all their uh, marketing for their ministry, their logos, $80,000. I sold it into them. He said, I gave you that talent, now use it. We're always looking for something. But God's looking for the little that we gave him to actually step out and do something mighty for him. What about even, I mean, you know, I hate to go here, but that's what we just read. What about your money? You know, I had a guy tell me, well, I just can't afford to tithe. But I noticed when, you know, his favorite band came in, he'd go buy tickets, like floor seats. He didn't have money to tithe, but he had money to go do what everyone would do. Then, then he's coming to me saying, well, uh, Pastor, I'm going through this, and I'm going through that, and I'm going this, like I just don't make enough money. I'm going, yeah, because your money's cursed, man. You've been robbing from God, expecting God to bless you. Then you're going to God with a big wish list. God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. He's going, you've been stealing from me. That's mine. It wasn't even yours to begin with. What about, I'll get off that because I can see the, the, the air is getting tight in here. What about even your gifts, the talents God's given you? You know, I choose to even steward my words with my children. I can vent frustration, or I can wait about an hour and go speak into their life. You know, I can say, you're annoying me, and I quit it. Or I can wait, step back, and go, hey, man, let's talk. You got lots of energy. <laughs> God's going to use that energy. And I'm thankful for that energy you have. And so we're going to learn to harness that in a different area, right? You just steward your words a little different. If not, things are going to change. Let me just close with this. I'll ask you this. Every vision has a price tag. Every vision has a price tag. What about your church? What about your church? I often think about the story of Jesus, you know, coming down, staying in a manger. What if that never happened? I know this is a lot of what ifs. But what if it never happened? What if some family said, what? This is God's child, right? He's sending him to the earth. We're going to bring him into our house with our ability, use our abilities. And we're going to, we're just, you know what? Mary, Joseph, don't worry about it. We're going to give you a year supply formula. We're going to take care of diapers and, and, and lotion and all those things. We're just going to do that. And, and matter of fact, we've just decided... We're going to pay for his private schooling. When he gets old enough, we're going to put him through school. Matter of fact, you know, there's a really good college. We're going to invest in a scholarship for him. We're going to take care of him. And we've already set aside some land. We're going to help you build him a house. We're going to put him in. You know, that, that, that family, you know that family would have been crazy blessed for doing that. You know they would have. Do you know that the only thing in the Bible 
that is a representation of Christ is his church, his body, and God saw fit to send the river church, his child, into Lake Charles. Don't you know it's time to get out of the manger? Get into some places where people say, we're going to take this child and we're going to use our ability. We're going to help this baby. We're going to serve this baby. We're going to do something with this baby. And don't you know because you take God's child, he's going to bless you. Whatever you put in the kingdom, the kingdom's going to put back in you in a multiplied measure. So imagine the much potential. I mean, I'm looking at a whole room full of people. When I started my church, man, I got a lot. I have more empty chairs than I got people. And I'm going, man, I see those chairs filled. This church has much potential. I'm talking about some much potential. But it's going to start with the abilities in the little that you already have. How many of you believe this church can be one of the greatest churches in Lake Charles? Come on, not that it's a competition. You just got your supply in the body. Amen. You have the things God's put in you. I believe that this church can grow beyond its current size. But do you believe that? I know your, your pastors do. Do you see the keys to this city in the hands of your pastor? Do you see a city on its knees accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Our vision when we first started our church was, can you see? And people are like, can I see what? Well, first, can you see yourself staying here? Because I need you to stay. <laughs> Let's just get that established. But can you see lives being changed? If you can see it, come on, then you have something to believe for. You need vision before you see a manifestation. And so when you have those things, at this level, there's so much potential available. And you have the opportunity to be faithful with the little in this stage. The question is, will you bury your potential or will you invest your potential? Because the investing of the potential is not just in money. It's in the vision. It's you, the gifts and things that God's put in you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray this morning. I don't know you, and so there may be some of you who've yet to give their life to Jesus Christ, but I believe we can take care of that right now. If you're here and you say, Pastor Caleb, I've never given my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm not even sure if I was to die if I'd go to heaven. It's very simple. The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. If that's you and you say this morning, I need to be 100% confident if I was to die, I'd go to heaven. I want you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. Amen, I see your hand. Two, three, four, five, anybody else? So I need to be confident, six, that I'm going to go to heaven. Anybody else say, that's me. I'm not certain of my salvation, but I want to be. Secondly, maybe you're here. This is a different altar call. You've been saved before, but you, you haven't been living the way that you should. Maybe life just took over. You got out of your place with him. And today you say, I'm coming back to my first love. I'm coming back to my father's house. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life, I ask you to raise your hand. Amen. Seven, eight, nine. Anyone else? Ten, eleven, twelve. Anyone else? Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. That's what it's all about. The potential of just giving God your life, even if little is all you have. You say, well, what can God do with me? He can do much out of little.
Anyone else want to join these 15? Say, that's me. I need to rededicate my life this morning. Those of you that raised your hands, I want you to say a prayer with me and the other believers that are here. Let's do this corporately together. Say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son to die for me, to raise for me, to give me victory. Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. I'll never be the same. I'm forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you this. To the 15 that raised your hand, whatever caused your hand to go up never has to cause your hand to go up again. Right now, the Bible says you're right with God. You're righteous. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the thing that convicted you was the Holy Spirit. But now the Holy Spirit is going to equip you where the Bible says to put on the new man, walk in the newness of life. Now you have victory over the very thing that brought you to Christ. Isn't it amazing? Satan is such a fool that he attacks us, and that very attack is what brings us to God. And now you have life-giving, victorious nature on the inside of you.